Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, 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 welcome back to this episode of I Date Money. I'm your hostess, Lisa Janet, and today we get to hang out with Claire Chandler, who is a corporate and cancer survivor who helps businesses expand without losing their best talent, and I know how important this is. She serves as a leadership therapist to chief HR officers and a mentor to their teams to drive stronger cultural integration and strategic alignment. Don't you love how I said that all really nicely? Because you know how I struggle with words. <laughs> I'm on a roll today. Thank you so much, Claire, for being here. We're going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I can already tell. So thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah, I liked when I said HR, it's just like, oh, I wonder if I should spell it out. And I get, <laughs> I get surprised at how people don't, you know, they think a word means something and they don't. And like right. in the financial world, we talk about CDs. And we're. I was doing a presentation once and someone raised their hand and they're like, are you talking about music? I'm like, no, certificate of deposits. Oh, I don't know what that is. I'm like, oh, okay, let me explain it to you. And it was the cutest thing. And I thought she was very brave to ask. Yeah. And I, my, my initial reaction was, I laughed a little bit because it was so cute. Not that she was asking a, a silly question, but I'm like, oh yeah, people, it, people think things mean differently. Yeah. Well, we take it for granted, right? Cause you live in that world all day long, like 24, seven, mm -hmm. 365. And it's like, how do you know? Like to me too, I'm like, well, how would someone not know what HR is? Like everyone thinks right. what HR in some capacity, but you're right. There are, there are pockets of the universe where they don't know what that is. So yeah, exactly. So for those who don't know, it's human resources. <laughs> That's a great thing. So tell us, how did you get into the field that you're that you're in? Like, what what made you want to be that when you grew up? Oh my gosh, yeah. So that's a loaded question, right? Um, so as I as you said in the in the intro in my kind of mini bio, I am a corporate survivor. So I spent about twenty years, uh, the first twenty years of my career within corporate America, and. Uh, I'll I'll give you a very short version of the story. In 2011, um, I was diagnosed with cancer, which was the biggest challenge of my life, but also the greatest gift, because it really um, it really forced me to uh, stop outrunning the question that I had been trying to ask myself for years, which was, you know, are you are you really doing what you're passionate about? Um, and I had to admit that the answer was no. I mean, I was I was successful by all marks. I was, you know really successful. I was a high performing employee. I was a vice president of HR. I was being groomed for the executive wing. Um, I had been there for close to 15 years and yet I wasn't fulfilled. And so, you know, when I got the 
cancer diagnosis, the gift that it gave me was, first of all, I had to take a month off of work. <clears throat> so I went from 150 miles an hour to, to flat out zero, you know, cause I had to, I had to deal with this thing. Um, and I had to, I had to get better. And the gift was that it, you know, it, it sort of painfully reminded me with a sledgehammer, not a whisper that life is too short, not to do things that fulfill you, not to spend time with people that you love, not to do, you know, the work that you were put on this earth to do. Um, and so that's what propelled me out of the corporate bubble. Um, and that was 2011. It took me two years to really sort of figure out what my jam was going to be. Um, I'm a generally happy, optimistic person. And so I, I had no doubt I would figure out things to do. Um, but it was all about building a business around what was going to be the core offering, what was going to be my core niche. Um, and so I formed my company, Talent Boost, in 2013. So we are at the the 10 year anniversary. Uh, we're recording this in September. This is the the 10 year anniversary month. So that's huge for me. I really feel like I need to do something to celebrate that. Um, so I'm sure I will. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it, it's it's been an amazing journey. And my focus now is really on helping businesses expand without losing their best talent. Um, primarily corporate cultures, which need. I think personally from experience, the most help. Oh yeah. Because in this day and age, everyone's walking away from corporate because of the strict rules, you know, because of the, you know, time constraints and the demand to do more with less and everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Everybody wants to have that freedom to come and go as they please and not have that, you know, get up at five 30 in the morning and, you know, punch in at seven and leave, you know, eight hours later. So yeah. I can see definitely the importance of, your skill set being utilized to expand and to retain. Cause you know, when I, you know, I retired from my career job in the social security administration in December of 21, and they went on a, on a hiring freeze. And then, then they, when they would scout talent, you know, they go to the colleges or what have you. And the system was so constrained. It was, there was no opportunity to allow like, you know, to consider like families and, 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 you know, young parents who couldn't come in when they wanted them to come in. And it's just like, why can't you just accommodate this? And yeah. I know, you know yeah, the pandemic kind of changed that a little bit, but still there's a lot of corporations that are in this dinosaur age of, oh no, we do things this way. And, you know, this is the letter of the law and just being able to change that. It would be interesting to see that change because I know so many people who have left their nine to five to start their own businesses. And I think, well, who's running all the companies <laughs> and yeah. a lot of people are hiring virtually and, you know, being able to do that in their tech, some of the tech that's out there, it's like hire IT people, please. <laughs> Get yeah. your tech your day. So I love that you're doing that and that you stepped in to fill that role. So when you think about money as a person, um, what's your relationship like? How do you describe it? Oh my gosh, these loaded questions you ask me. So my relationship with money, um, you know, you think it was like going to be an easy walk in the park? No, no, no. I mean, I knew. <laughs> listen, I knew going in. Like your your whole your whole thing is I date money, right? And it's all about what is the relationship with money. Um, yes. My relationship now with money is very positive, and it is mutually fulfilling. Um, and I call it that because I, you know, I think um, all of us sort of are on, are on a quest for relationships that we can get value from, but that the other person can too, right? Because it's not a 50-50, it's 100-100, right? Um, so my relationship now with money, I would say is very positive and mutually fulfilling. 
like that. That's that's awesome. So when you think about dating money, like do you guys go on dates and, and do fun things together? Or are you one of those frugal people that like to hide all their money and, you know, keep it under the mattress? <laughs> well, it's so it's funny because one of the one of the uh, sort of intake questions you had asked me in, in preparing for this conversation was, you know, am I a spender or a saver? Um, and I answered yes. Right. Um, because I'm I'm a little of both. So I I am married. My husband has a very demanding corporate job. That is, in fact, where we met. Um, and he's still there. So I'm still kind of involved in his, you know, corporate environment because it was mine too, which is a little bit weird. But, um, you know, I, I am, I'm a business owner. I'm a solopreneur. Um, I work with corporate from the outside in, but I also manage all the money. I pay all the bills. I organize all the finances. Um, if I wake up in the morning and there's a message that somehow we're overdrawn because somebody didn't tell me that his expenses hadn't gotten reimbursed yet. And I didn't move money around, you know, it's all those things. Right. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty diligent in terms of, of money. Um, and I'm a little bit more strict with how my husband spends the money, <laughs> but like, you know, Amazon prime day is like a, I, you know, sort of a company holiday for me. So. Yeah. I'd say it's a holiday in the house. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking yeah. about? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. What can I get? So yeah, we, we definitely date. Um, yeah, we, we, it, it's a, it's a serious dating relationship between me and money. I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. And having control of the financials is good. As you were speaking, I was thinking that your husband needs an allowance and then, you know, he'll be okay. <laughs> My husband tried to give me an allowance from early in our marriage. And I'm like, what? I am not taking an allowance. This is my yeah. money. Well, you'll love this because, you know, as you, as you rightly observed, like I, I have control, I have control issues. You were kind enough not to call that out, but I'm a solopreneur, which by definition, I'm a control yeah. freak, but he, you know, so I have, I have the checkbook, but I have, you know, extra stacks of checks because once you run out of the one, you got to swap it out. Right. Well, he took the next set of checks to have just in case he needs to, to write a check. And so oh, the no. control freak in me, first of all, I'm like, who authorized you to just take that from my, from my drawer. <laughs> but the other thing is he's going to write checks out of sequence. So right, like the right. OCD part of me is going absolutely crazy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> like, no, you can't write that check. I know. It's like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I solve that issue. We have um, fun money cards. So we, we, we take our fun money and we transfer it into our, our fun account and then we have it on our debit card. And then we use whatever you spend is on that card. That's that's your allowance, whatever. You do what you want with it. So that's smart. Fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun too, because there's no worries because it's, it's an allocation. Right. So we don't have to think about or feel guilty. Like when we go out to a fancy restaurant and there's market prices, it's like, oh, we can order whatever we want. We got it covered. And I'm like, but if it's towards the end of the month and I'm like, I know I'm not going to get any more deposits. I'm like, oh, well, what's market price again? Yeah, no, no twin lobsters for you. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's funny because market price doesn't mean the same thing as it did before the pandemic. <laughs> I mean, you can usually kind of figure it out. Now it's yeah. like, how did you derive at that price? <laughs> oh my God. Restaurants are crazy. They're, they're all just trying to, and I get it. Like they're trying to recover from right. the COVID years, but like, come on. And supermarkets the same way. Yeah, I know. And supermarkets didn't lose out on any money. <laughs> I know. There's no well, way. They're, they're, the, they're the only they're industry. Well, those in liquor stores, like never, they never closed. So like, yeah, what are you, what are you doing yeah. raising the price of beans? Hello? I know, exactly. But we, we kind of joke around about it. But yeah, it is, there's so many factors involved in that. That's another conversation. <laughs> 
we won't go there. I'll get myself in trouble. I'll get I'll get rid of my clean rating on my podcast. Reading. Oh no, that happened. <laughs> Got to keep it clean. Yeah, Thank right. You. Fair enough. <laughs> when you think about um, money, when you were a kid, what's your earliest memory? Um, so you know, I was one of those kids. I grew up in a in a typical middle class household. So we didn't have an allowance for the sake of an allowance. Um, you know, the tooth fairy came and I think I got like a nickel, um, maybe a dime. Like, it's so funny. Like I'll talk to friends of mine who have kids and they're like, Oh, first tooth. I got to come up with like a 20. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Like people are, well, these are the same people who's, you know, their, their kids have a sweet 16 party and it's like more expensive than my wedding was. Um, you know, God bless. But my, so my relationship with money, my formative years, we didn't have, um, we didn't have a lavish lifestyle. Uh, we didn't have a lot of like discretionary money. Our big vacation was, so I'm a lifetime Jersey girl. Our big vacation was to go down to the Jersey shore. And if we were in a particularly good place, we stayed for two weeks, not just one. Um, you know, but like, we didn't go out to dinner, like maybe once in the whole week, but mostly it was cold cuts and it was, you know, breakfast, like at the, at the little stove, you know? Um, and so like, if we got an allowance, it was tied to chores. It was things like go out in the backyard and pull weeds, um, you know, like run, run an errand for mom and dad, like whatever it was. So it was always like in my formative years and kind of what imprinted on me was money, was in direct relation to how hard you worked. Um, money was earned and money was meant to be saved. Do you, do you still follow that principle? I, I, I do. I do all of those because those, I mean, those were imprinted on me like really early on, except that, um, you know, there's sort of this additional, we don't do the fun money cards, although I think I'm going to look into that, but, um, <laughs> you know, there, there's sort of this um, buffer now and mm-hmm. so, you know, part of what part of what motivates and inspires me to work harder and to continue to strive for for more um, is is not to fund some lavish lifestyle that my husband and I have, but to give us choices without worry, um, mm-hmm. to give us the ability <clears throat> to, you know, if my parents, who thankfully they're still around, um, they're both eighty years years old. Um, so like, you know, time is, it is sort of like creeping up on us, but they're still around and, you know, knowing all that they sacrificed. So my brother and I could go to college, um, that we could go to Catholic school our whole lives, which was not cheap. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, now whenever we can provide for them, you know, whether it's just picking up the check at dinner or, you know, going with them somewhere like, and, and not having them worry so much about money is a blessing. And so for me, it's not about, you know, going on extravagant vacations, although now and then it's nice to book a trip that you're not like, you know, I don't know, go, going on like, you know, three different layovers to save a couple hundred bucks. Um, yeah, so yeah, there, yeah, like there's definitely this layer now of um, how can I continue to, you know, work hard, have flexibility and freedom, but in a way that I can provide for the people around me when mm-hmm. they need it. Yeah. I love that. And that's, it's, it's, you know, having a purpose for your purchase is so Mm. important and why we do things, you know, like I always say, if it doesn't make sense, it won't make dollars. 
And a lot of times people will take their money and just buy something to fill this void. They don't even know why they're spending the money. And they like, one of my clients used to love to go to, I like to call, call it Target and go to the clearance racks and buy all these things. And we started, you know, going through like, you know, we do an exercise in my program where we um, become minimalist with our money and the purchases we make, we make purposeful purchases. And I said, okay, so when you go to this clearance rack, what, what are you feeling? Like what's that sensation when you get in your body, right? Like, how does it excite you? It's just like, well, I don't really know if it does. It's just something I've always done. My best mm. friend and I shopping and we do this. And it was just like a habit. And it was just the idea that they can get something for cheap. I go, well, do you use the things that you buy? No, I usually have like multiples of them. Well, why do you want multiples of them hanging around? Well, I don't know, because it was a good price. I go, but if you keep spending your money that way, you're never going to have any money for retirement or investments or, or go on vacation because right. <laughs> you're nickel and diming money to death. Yeah. <laughs> money doesn't like to be nickel and dime to death. Money wants to have a purpose. It wants to have a job. So she went, it was funny because the following week she went to her weekly trip and she, she, we had our call after she got home and she called me and she's like, Oh my goodness. She was, I didn't spend anything today. I said, wow, why not? What happened? And she was shocked that, you know, in her friend, her friend's name was Susie and her friend said, what's wrong with you? Do you I, go get, you know, go get the other, bring her back. Like why, where, what happened to you? And she's like, you know, I really don't want to spend my money this way. I want to, this is like a goal I have for myself and I want to put it specifically for that. So she actually rewarded herself by putting that money that she would have spent and doubling it. And she built up a, uh, we called it her um, travel fund. So she built up, but she wanted to go to um, Ireland or England. I can't remember which country, but she, that was her goal. So she started um, contributing towards that goal. And a year later, she was able to go. So That's awesome. It was fun. It was fun watching her do it though. But having that complete mind shift change and, and say like, because there's stories that we tell ourselves and there's stories, you know, money stories that we grow up with. So what's your favorite money story that you tell yourself? that I tell myself now, um, yeah. you know, I, so I, so I referenced that I, I was raised Catholic, went to Catholic school. Um, there was always kind of growing up this, this, not even growing up, but because of the way that I was raised, you know, that we were savers, that we didn't have, you know, money to, to waste on, on things. Um, I always kept that with me and I do save as much as possible and invest and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, we're, we're very, um, I wouldn't say we're frugal, but we're smart. We're very intentional about, you know, saving and all of that. Um, but one of the biggest hurdles I kind of had to get over, cause you know, in answer to your first question, they said, you know, I have a positive relationship now with money. Um, but when my business started to take off and it was starting to make more and more revenue year over year, I had to get over the guilt you know, it's sort of the stereotypical Catholic guilt. Right. Um, and I had to kind of get over that, that obstacle of, you know, who am I to want to make more money? Um, you know, isn't, isn't this enough? Isn't the revenue level that I'm at now and the ability to afford the lifestyle we have, which like I said, is not flashy, it's not extravagant, but it's comfortable. Isn't that enough? And I had to get into a better place. And I had um, a couple of, you know, uh, colleagues in this network, um, you know, in my in my professional network. And I had a really good conversation with one of them several years ago, you know, and, and she said, first of all, get over yourself, which is great because sometimes you just need the kick in the kick in the pants. Um, you know, but she said, you're 
your increase in revenue, the more wealth you accumulate, the more you are able to give back. And when she put it like that, it sort of gave me permission, first of all, yes, to get over myself, um, but to really look at money in a different way. Um, money does solve a lot of problems. It does, let's be honest, right? Um, but the accumulation of, of wealth or the striving for revenue, um, not just as a scorecard for your own business success, but for the ability then to, um, to make more of an impact on the world, to, to do more in terms of charitable giving, to invest back in your business in ways where you can automate, systematize and things to create capacity so that you can go out and do some pro bono things or to, or to, you know, get involved in, in volunteering things. Um, that sort of stuff helps me get over that obstacle. And so, you know, when I see my relationship now is mutually fulfilling with money, it's because I see the, the, the value that it brings to me, not just the monetary value, but the capacity and the ability to, um, to do some of the other things that I wouldn't otherwise have the ability or the capacity to do. Yeah. I love that. It's an eye opener, isn't it? Yeah. And, and you and you have to, you know, I I I just first of all, I love the focus of your show, but I love the fact that you kind of hold that mirror up to to people because we we the relationship we have with money, yes, is very much informed by our childhood and and how we were raised and what we were taught to think about money, but then over time it shifts and it's completely within our control to to shift it, right? Not necessarily to manifest a million dollars, like it's not all of a sudden going to appear in my hand. But the relationship that we have with it and how we attract more of it is so much more within our control than we realize. Yes, indeed. And it's that simple. <laughs> it's that simple. Not easy, but simple. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck because they're like, well, I don't really know. And I always say, well, you know, if you love on money the way, you know, you love on something that you actually love, because we're our mean girl. You know, you've seen the movie Mean Girls. We're our yeah. own mean look in the mirror and like, get that criticism right yeah so I always say like you know you know you know the golden rule treat others the way you want to be treated so you know we're actually treating money the way we treat ourselves which is not good so by flipping that and just like treating yourselves good and, and recognizing that yeah you know I am I am worthy and you know the that's where the affirmations come in and help the, the attitude of gratitude and just really giving thanks and like I said when I find a penny, I'm having a happy dance and people are looking at me like I'm high. <laughs> I'm like, nope, I just like to buy money. And it is, it's a lot of fun to, to be able to celebrate all of that. So uh, one of the things we do in my program is celebrate our money stories. Like if you think back of all the things that money has done for you, celebrate that stuff. It's wonderful to reflect back on it and just say, yeah, like money is good. And I grew up Catholic, so I know what you're talking about as far as the guilt trip and um, I'm no longer Catholic, but if there is a favorite story, I have the parable of the three talents. And I love talking about that when it comes to money, yes. because it's all about money, you know, and the steward, I strive to be like the steward who tripled his talents because that's what we're meant to do. We all have beautiful gifts and talents. And when you love what you're doing, it's not a chore. Like you can get up out of bed every day and say, yes, I get to do this. And then when you receive the money, it's like, wow, I get to help. Like I, I use um, every client I sign on, I sponsor a woman at Compass Care, which is an organization that works with ladies that are facing unplanned pregnancy. Um, um, it's not free to them. They get all the sound tests. They get TV testing. They actually see if they're, you know, if they're, if they're really pregnant and then they get education. 
happens when you have an abortion and you know, the gospel shared with them and they have a choice and informed choice. And I love supporting organizations like that. So one of the things that we do is, you know, the money multiplier system is we give 10% so for money for giving and 10% for investing for ourselves. Like, because if you don't take care of those three things, it's like everything else is like, eh, I don't like money. Money doesn't come around enough because it's almost like you're depriving yourself, right? Yeah. So it's amazing how you can multiply money that way. But I love how you've multiplied money using your talents, recognizing that you walked away from corporate, but now you're on the other side looking into corporate saying, hey, I got the keys to help you grow. So tell us more about your business. Yeah, so um, it is interesting how everything comes full circle, right? Mm-hmm. And I, and I, you know, in the early days of my business, um, I didn't, I didn't seek out the big corporate clients. Um, and I think I had to get over that obstacle of, you know, who am I? I'm a solopreneur. No one knows me as a consultant to corporate. They only know me as a person within corporate. Um, and so now that I've, you know, sort of found my groove and I'm 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 years in as a business owner, um, you know, I, I do have a different perspective now and I can, you know, um, pursue relationships with that level of client. Um, one, because I do know where, where they're coming from. And two, because I know, I know the way through, right. I've been in their seat. I've been in their environment. I've been in cultures that were really, really strong and cultures that were borderline toxic. And Mm -hmm. I can see the warning signs for one way or the other. Um, but you know, I, I would never trade my time in corporate. Uh, it was hugely valuable for me. I, you know, I learned a tremendous amount in terms of structure and in terms of best practices, um, you know, I have relationships with with people that, you know, from my corporate career that are still, you know, they, they are still people I deeply love and care about and get to see and, you know, and all of that. Um, but the way that I really help um, primarily is, you know, kind of over the years and through my corporate experience and my in my business um, consulting and advisory experience, I've put together a, a framework um, that I call growth on purpose. And it's really a guided roadmap, if you will, um, that really helps organizations of any size, but especially the larger ones, um, navigate. It's a, it's a four a model. Um, and so the first a is aspiration and otherwise known as purpose or mission or your why, right. And it's really important for, for companies to get dialed in, um, especially when they're smaller, especially when they're starting up and growing, it is really important to get dialed in and stay dialed in to what you're in business to accomplish to begin with um, and constantly go back to that as your anchor point. So aspiration is the first one. The second A is awareness. So um, it's all about navigating people through higher awareness of self, what, you know, what natural talents and unique strengths they bring to the table individually. And then collectively, how do you harness that um, and kind of stay true to your genius zone, your fast lane, et cetera, both as an individual and employee and as a business. And then you get into uh, acceleration. So acceleration of trust. Um, Trust is a really key element of culture and culture, as we know, is foundational to business success. Um, So that section of the roadmap kind of guides people through how to build up trust, um, how to accelerate it, not manufacture it, but genuinely build up trust within teams, between employees and leaders, and then trust within you know, with, with teams, uh, trusting in the mission, right. And trusting in the direction, the strategy. And then that final a is alignment. So it's alignment on what matters. Um, you know, too often, 
um, people just sort of skip right to the strategic planning step. And they say, well, all the leaders have to get on board and we're going to build out a roadmap for, you know, achieving our outcomes over the next five to 10 years. And if they haven't done that initial work of um, building up trust and accelerating trust and really sort of um, even that, you know, the foundational work of aspiration and awareness, if they just jump ahead to trying to align everyone with a strategy, well, it's no wonder they underperform and it's no wonder that their growth strategy goes nowhere because they haven't done the groundwork. And so by the time you get to the alignment on what matters, you've done those building blocks, you've strengthened the foundation, and now you have a culture that is primed to contribute their natural talents, their best efforts, their support of the team toward achieving your strategy. Um, and so that whole framework, you know, it, it, it really kind of governs my practice and the way that I guide um, businesses and leaders and cultures into a more um, sound direction. Um, but I also have on my website a version of that framework that's just a one pager that anyone can go and download. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Claire, for sharing all of the things that you do for your money story. Uh, I really love listening to it and how it's grown and changed. And, you know, it just gets better every, every, every day. What's the best way for our audience to connect with you? Uh, best way is to uh, hit me up on my website, which is clairechandler.net. My business website is talentboost.net, um, but really more of my personality comes through in the Claire Chandler version. And then LinkedIn is is my social network of choice. So you can find me there and connect and say hello. Okay, awesome. And we'll have those uh, links in the show notes. And um, as we part, what is one tip that you can share with the audience to give them a micro result in making more money? Um, definitely go download the, uh, the growth on purpose, uh, roadmap, which they can get at clairechandler.net slash roadmap. It's free. Um, you know, it's, it, it really is about dialing in your purpose. It took me two years between corporate and starting my business to really kind of dial in on what I was going to stand for as a business and build a business around, um, anything you can do to accelerate that and really get dialed into um, of all the things you could do, what do you want to do? What lights you up? And then stay true to that path. Um, I I often say, do what you love, and the money will follow. And that, and I truly believe that that if you you know if you if you do the things that light you up, that is infectious, and you're going to attract the right people into your orbit. Awesome! Thank you so much. So for those of you listening, be sure to check the show notes, download that freebie, okay? Especially if you're challenged by what your purpose is, what are you supposed to do? Because if you're not on fire, you're not doing the right thing. If you find it dreadful and you're, now you haven't done anything in your business. I know I've talked to several of you over the last week that are in this um, space. It's time to get out of it, to make some moves. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it. Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. 
Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it.